My name is Kathy Howie. I'm a pastor here. I'm a campus pastor of our downtown location in Garfield Park. And many of you have been involved in what we call the blessing board, where you take a tag and you buy the stuff and then you put it under the tree. And that's the end of that. Except I wanted to give you a little bit of a look into what happened as a result of that. We've got some pictures here. This is the cartload. It was two huge wagons. The picture doesn't really do it justice. 45 bags for individual teachers at Emma Donnan School and six huge baskets of snacks for the support staff. The teachers and the staff, I didn't get to meet them, but I heard from them later, were just overjoyed. And they knew that you were giving these things in the name of Jesus because they all received a hand-addressed card asking God to bless them over the next year. So thank you for doing that. And then if that wasn't enough, another recipient of the blessing board was the people that come on Thursday night to Garfield Park, Trinity Church Garfield Park. And so we packaged up a whole bunch of things, um, and we had a service that was it's just so good. I don't know why. Every year I get out the order and I'm like, yeah, 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 we're going to do this and move on. And then the Lord shows up. I don't change the order. It's the same scriptures. It's the same carols. And we see God move and we light candles at the end as a symbol of our unity in Christ. It's so beautiful. And while that was happening, Upstairs, people were arranging things by pew. So you can see the next picture has all of the slippers and all of the blankets, and there's a little number there. So when people were done with the service, they came up, they were given a nice bag, and then they were able to fill their bag with their own choices, restoring dignity as opposed to just getting a handout. It was so beautiful. There was no pushing There was no shoving. There was no entitlement. There were tears of gratefulness. Thank you. I wish you could have seen it. This is the best I can do. God moved as people were blessed. Thank you for living generously for others. There is another option that you can be involved in at Garfield Park. Since I'm preaching today, I get to say this. We need a family or a small group of friends or a community group to commit to cook the meal once every eight weeks. So you're not signing up for this big, heavy thing. Just once every eight weeks. If you would love to do that, you can talk to me. You can call the church office. You can talk to Lindsay Luttrell. We would love to connect you in a very tangible way. People come to hear the gospel because the food is good. It's both and, right? The spiritual food as well as the physical food. So here we are. Brand new year. No mistakes in it yet again, as Anne Shirley has said. Is anyone kind of glad that we're done with the incredible feasting? (laughs) Uh, You know, I I love fudge. I'm just done. I'm ready to have salad. (laughs) My body is craving salad. In fact, this past week, we decided to just have pizza. No salad, no breadsticks, no dessert. Just, can we just have just pizza? And this crazy thing has been happening with me as I get older. When I have pizza, no other food does this. When I have pizza, an hour and a half later, I am so thirsty. 
I drink a lot of water anyway. No other salty food does this. I don't know what it is about pizza, but it makes me so thirsty. I can, I'm thirsty in my toenails. I cannot get enough water, and I drink, and I drink. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm still thirsty. I go get more water. God is using this to show me my need for him. Silly little detail. God, this year, I want to be thirsty for you, so thirsty that I can't get enough. And I want you to know that the staff team at Trinity Church not only loves you, but prays intensely for you. We have seen over the last six months, God is doing something among the staff team as we come before him in prayer. And so before we start the series, Genesis all the way to Revelation, we're going to take this morning and talk about being thirsty for God all the way down to our toes and increasing what that means in prayer. So, just happened. You know how when you're interested in something, it just appears on your feed? I think uh, Facebook knows what I'm thinking. It's so scary. But there have been some memes that have come across on prayer, so I decided to show them to you. Life is short. Pray hard. We all agree with that. Yeah, go ahead and go to the next one. Your prayer is more than words. It is a moment in which God's power is released. I don't understand that. I really don't. But I see it happen again and again and again. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Oswald Chambers, such a wise dude. I think this is my favorite quote of what prayer is, but I have a new one. This came across my feed. I don't know who Mark Hart is, but this is so profound. Prayer doesn't help our relationship with God. Prayer is our relationship with God. Prayer is our relationship with God. So I've entitled this sermon, I don't often title them because it's usually just the passage that's next, but pray more and more a New Year's resolution. Pray more and more, a New Year's resolution. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. I invite you to take this actual paper Bible that's in the chair uh, seat in front of you. If you prefer your digital, that's not a problem, but we are going to be in the Word today. So you're going to need something, either your phone or the paper copy. If you are using the, the Pew Bible, we used to call them, what do we call them now, chair Bibles? Anyway, it's on page 1091, 1091, 1 Thessalonians 5. While you're turning there, I just want to clear something up that Pastor Mike said about me a couple of sermons or so ago. Again, I have the microphone. I get to talk here. He said, if you want to know how to pray, go talk to Pastor Howie, Pastor Kathy, whatever my name is. Go talk to her. Because when she prays, the gates of hell are shaken. That's the way he would say it, right? And I just kind of, do you see it? Do you see it? I was out in the foyer, and I actually laughed out loud (laughs) for two reasons. First of all, I don't really see myself as a prayer warrior, though I do like to pray. But it's true of every prayer. It's not about me. When you pray, 
the gates of hell are shaken because it's about the spirit and his power. All right, with all of that in mind, do you see it? Let's go. I'm going to get in trouble. I know it. First Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. Silas read this so wonderfully just a few minutes ago. Let's just read 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Bam, we can go home. You want to know God's will for you in 2023? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks to God in all circumstances. So good. We're actually only going to talk about pray without ceasing. There are three things that, that we need to know about this before we go on. The first is, the Greek is in reverse. Actually, the English is in reverse because the Greek was there first. But it's actually said in Greek, without ceasing, pray. Without ceasing. And it, there's no magic to this word. I'm not going to unpack it for you because it just means don't stop. No pause. Keep going. Always praying. I love the way that St. Augustine talks about this verse. I think he had a little bit of snark in him that morning when he was writing this. Listen to this. Are we to be without ceasing in bending the knee and prostrating the body and lifting up our hands without ceasing? I hear just a hint of sarcasm there. If that is what without ceasing means, then I do not believe it is possible there is another kind of inward prayer without ceasing, which is the desire of the heart. And that's the second thing to know. The word that Paul is using here for pray is not a stopping point of intense prayer. It's a communion type of prayer. When we're just in God's presence, we know that we're praying right now that way. We know that we are in God's presence and we allow him to work in our hearts and minds and, and make the adjustments he needs to make. This is the other kind of prayer that St. Augustine was referring to. It's a sacred devotion to God, communion with him, not necessarily asking or supplication, just being with him. When you love somebody, you want to be with them. And that's what this kind of prayer is all about. So how can we pray without ceasing, knowing that it's not a stopping the bending of the knees and the raising of the hands, as St. Augustine says? It is possible because God has asked us to do it. And God never asks us to do something that's not possible. Otherwise, he would be a frustrating God, and he is not. Except that if perhaps it is not possible humanly, then he provides the Holy Spirit to make it happen. And that's the point, right? Praying unceasingly is impossible for a human to do, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is absolutely possible. The third thing to know is the historical context. This is not a command that Paul is launching on people. You haven't been praying, so pray lots. That's not what's happening here at all. This is an invitation. Paul is saying, this is what I have experienced, and I'm inviting you Thessalonians into it. And I'm no Paul, but can I say Trinity Church, God is inviting us in to pray without ceasing, to be with him 
24-7. It's an invitation. It's that saltiness that's happening deep within our soul and our response to it. So a way we could say this is praying without ceasing is being with God all day, aware of his presence, and allowing him continual access to my heart. Praying without ceasing is being with God all day, aware of his presence, and allowing him continual access to my heart. So for the rest of the morning, we're going to talk very practical. I'm a practical type of person. It's the beginning of the year. Here we go. Psychology has this really cool thing called the habit loop. Charles Duhigg, in his book, The Power of Habit, talks about this cycle of how a habit is formed, and we can learn a lot from this. We're just going to use brushing teeth as an example to start off with. Pretend you've got to convince your five-year-old it's time to brush your teeth, or maybe a younger brother. Ooh, man, you need to work on the toothbrushing thing. The way to develop a habit is that there, there needs to be a cue, something that's going to say, it's time to do this now like the end of a meal, like going to bed at night, or my favorite, because this is the one that really works, going on a date. Toothbrushing becomes real when you have somebody else in your life. That then tips over into the routine. This is the thing that we want to see happen. This is the the brushing of the teeth. The cue says, do it. The routine is when we do it. But that's not really a habit loop yet. Because there needs to be a reward. If there's no reward, we don't do it. We stop doing it. So the reward could be fresh breath on the first date. The older I get, the more interested I am in a lower dental bill. That can be a reward. If you're teaching a five-year-old a sticker on a chart can be the reward, the reason to brush your teeth. But that still isn't a complete habit loop. There needs to be a desire to repeat it, a craving. Once a craving has been established, then we have a habit. Let's talk about this now as we go through prayer in the habit loop. You can just leave that right up there, Hilda, for right now. The cue to pray It's time to eat. What do we do? We pray. Were you at a gathering where you all stood around? It was a buffet. You stood around. Somebody said, okay, let's pray for the meal. You pray for the meal. You go through the food line. You sit down. And what do you do? Pray. (laughs) I do it every single time because it's so ingrained. The cue to eat. Sometimes people put notes on their bathroom mirror, sometimes getting up or going to bed. When I, when my head hits the pillow, I pray. It's just been something that I do. The beginning of a meeting, we have a cue here at Trinity Church. The Lord is here. That sets us in a direction to be with the Lord. These are all cues. We're, again, we're not stopping necessarily to pray, but we're being aware of who he is and we're allowing him access to our heart. Some of you probably already use these cues, but I'm wondering, is there a cue that God might want to add to your life 
So that might be a question that you can ask yourself throughout the morning. The routine is remembering that God is with me. Again, we're not stopping to pray, though we are going to talk about that in just a minute. The routine, the cue, produces I'm aware of God's presence. I had a young person come up to me and say, you know what, I don't think I'm aware of God's presence during the day very much. Let's build some cues into our lives so that we are more aware. The reward is Augustine's desire of the heart, the satiating of the thirst, which actually, the craving then, the more we get, the more we want. The more we are right with God, the more we want to be with him. The more we sense his presence in our lives, the more we want that. That's the craving loop, the habit loop of prayer. It's interesting to me as I've been thinking about this saltiness thing that God has brought into my life with pizza is that I can't make myself thirsty. I can't do it. I can think I am. I can go get a drink. Now you're all thirsty, I know. I should have said bring your own water today. But we can't make ourselves thirsty. We can do the things that cause thirst, but the thirst comes deep within. It's a chemical reaction in our body. And we just respond to it. God makes us thirsty, and we just respond to him. That's what prayer is. So praying without ceasing, this constant communion with God, would be almost impossible if we didn't stop and pray at least on occasion. Or to say it in another way, the more that we pray intentionally, the more we will also pray in that unceasing communion type of prayer. They work together. The intentional prayer fuels the community that we have with God, which fuels the intentional prayer. Uh, we probably need to draw a prayer habit loop thing that, was, that would even express that better. But as I've spoken with many of you since that infamous, when she prays, the gates of hell shake, I often, I'm, I'm hearing some things that are pretty common, and I just want to talk about those. But before we do that, would you do me a favor and pull out a next steps card? And you're all rolling your eyes. Okay. No, seriously. When we write something down, you don't have to turn it in, but would you please pull out a Next Steps card? Because when we write something down, it goes into our hearts and into our minds the way, in a different way than just hearing it does. You might want to write on this Next Steps card something that is tripping you up from praying, a reason that you're not praying as often as you would like. And here's the thing. The reason I'm asking you to do this as a favor is because I've mentioned the staff team is committed to prayer. The staff team loves you. I love you. I pray for you. But I am human and out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't turn in a next steps card, I can't remember to pray for you very well. It's just the way I am. The older I get, the more pizza makes me thirsty, and the more I forget. So my forgetter is being developed. So please fill out a next steps card so I can remember to pray for you. Here are some things that I've heard from people about why it's hard to pray. Some aren't sure they're doing it right. Can you help me do it right? And my response, I say, just pray. God will help you do it right. When you interact with friends, 
you're not worried about doing it, right? You're, in, you're wanting to just spend time with them. Some people feel embarrassed, especially to pray out loud. And I say again, just pray. Your vulnerability will encourage people more than you know. Be brave. Do it anyway. Some people assume they don't have time because they assume, if I don't pray for an hour, does it really count? Yes. Yes, it does. And would you throw away the two minutes that you have because you don't have 58 more? Pray anyway. Pray with the time that you have. When my kids were little, I was like Susanna Wesley. She had, I don't know, 16? Does anybody remember? I think it was 16 or 18 kids. A lot of them. And she would just throw her apron over her head when she needed time with the Lord. That's all the time she got. And literally, I remember stirring mac and cheese. God, you know this is all I got, and it's the best I got, and so I'm giving it to you. It's just the reality. There are other times in life that are busy as well, not just with little children. Another thing that I hear is some think that God really doesn't care about the little details of their lives. You know, no, he's got to worry about the big things in life. And, uh, you know, whether I make it on the airplane during the holidays, he doesn't care. No, he does care. He does care. Intimately, he does care. And I, nobody has said this one yet, but you all are thinking it. At least you have at some point in your life. I know because I have thought it. I'm just kind of over it. I'm bored. Anybody? No, you don't have to raise your hand. That would be embarrassing. I hope that I can help you with that today. I'm going to walk us through four different ways that God has shown me of ways that I can pray. And as we go into that section now, I'm just going to have Josh come on up because we're going to spend the rest of the morning praying One of my favorite ways is to pray through scripture because we know we're praying God's will. We're using his words and it's all scripted out for us. How easy can that be? So if you turn to Psalm 100, some of you have this memorized and I don't, and you could just click it off. I'm going to actually pray, but it would be helpful for you to have the scripture in front of you so you can see what's going on. Psalm 100 in the, in the Bibles is on page 555. I'm only going to do a couple of verses because this is a super easy prayer, to, a super easy psalm to pray through. Usually what I do is I read a verse either silently or out loud. I'm going to do it out loud today. Silently would be weird and awkward. And then I'm going to pray. So it would go like this. God. Your word says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And we are here to do that. God, would your entire creation shout your praise this morning as we serve you with gladness, as we come into your presence with singing. I know there are many ways to praise you, but you've chosen singing. And so we have been lifting our voices and declaring who you are. Know the Lord. He is God. Oh, Father, I get this mixed up so much. I get ahead of you, or I think I know better than you, and I try to straighten you out. God, please forgive me. Help me to be a follower. 
because you are the one who made me and I am yours. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Amen. Do you get it? Do you see it? Use the scripture. It can transform your prayer life. It takes the the responsibility for you to come up with the ideas. Not that we ever would not pray that way, but scripture. If you're bored or you're even maybe just worn out, go to God's word and let it pray you through. That's a real easy passage. Let's go to one more challenging because somebody asked me, so how do you know which passages to use to pray? All of them. You can use any of them, but some are a little more challenging. So go to uh, Psalm 43. It's on page 520. Psalm 43. This one's a little bit more challenging. One of the things that we want to remember when we're praying through Scripture is some of the details were very specific to that situation. So we're looking for the overarching promise that's within it or the principles that are within Scripture. Father, your word says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. God, I, the way the culture is going right now, I feel so disconnected. I don't know how to respond sometimes. The values of our society have changed so much, and I don't know how to defend my faith. I don't know what to say in circumstances. Everything seems to be a moving target. I need your help. And so, I, oh God, I take refuge in you. But why have you rejected me? Why do I only hear silence? Why do I feel left alone in a group of people who are attacking you? I know I'm not. Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? God, it feels so heavy. Everything in our society right now feels so heavy. So God, send out your light. Send out your truth. Let them lead me. Put your words in my mouth. And if I'm to be quiet, help me to be okay with that. Let your truth bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling back into relationship with you. God, sometimes I feel like I've been beat up and spit out and chewed up. And even in those times, God, remind me. You're not far. Your Holy Spirit is within me. And I go to your altar. You are my exceeding joy. I praise you with all that is in me, God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Because, God, my problems seem so big. I can't surmount them. I can't get beyond them. Oh, God, I just can't. But they're not too big for you.
plant me at your feet because my hope is in you and I will always praise you, my salvation and my God. My hope is in you. Amen. The Psalms have every human emotion. You can find what you're dealing with in here. And even some of these I prayed through before, sometimes it's just fun to see where this is going to take me. Did not know that was I was going to go on this cultural mountain trip, but there we went. And it was so real and so appropriate because you bring to the scripture your life and then you let the scripture wash over you. The next one, if you take this card that is in your worship folder, or it's going to be on the screen, and if you're a picture taker, go ahead and take a picture of it. Nobody's got their camera out. Okay, good. Hilda, we're good. You can just leave it there. I really want to do this one. This is also praying through scripture, but in a different way. This has transformed my life with Christ this past year. It's, um, I don't know how to describe it, except that it has made that constant communion possible. You'll see the fruit of the Spirit on the right-hand column. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we pray through that. God, I need that in my life. But here's what, what I saw somebody do. See, now everybody's taking a picture. Okay, Hilda, put the second one up so I can get the second picture too. Okay, everybody, take the second picture because we're going to walk through this. I don't want you to miss the actual prayer but it's also great to have it on your phone, right? Because now you've got it wherever you will be. All right, go back to the first slide, Hilda. Here's what we're going to do with this. I'm going to pray as if I were praying alone. We'll see how uh, transparent I get. <laughs> and then I'm going to go through the rest of them, and I'm going to just be quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Because what we're doing is we're asking God where we have been lacking the fruit of the Spirit and asking him to put his finger on it in a really specific way. You can be thinking about how you react. You can be thinking about a situation you're dealing with, something in the future that's causing you to miss out on what God has. So let's go. Let's do this. Dear Father, I lay down my indifference. And then I would pause for a couple of seconds to just allow the Spirit. Father, I lay down the indifference of the people that live in my neighborhood. Because I've been so busy during this season. God, I pick up your love for them. Help me to truly see them as people not as an obstacle to what you've asked me to do. Father, I lay down my disappointment. I lay down my disappointment of the failures to be in your presence over the past year. Disappointment with myself. And Father, I pick up your joy. Help me to just leave that and to embrace your joy. Now I'm going to walk us through the rest.
Father, we lay down our desire for control. And we pick up your peace. Father, we lay down our impatience. And we receive your patience. God, we lay down our thoughtlessness. And we pick up your kindness. You can see how that would continue. But for the sake of time, use your pictures this afternoon or use this card to just allow God to reveal things and then to embrace who he has called you to be. There's a fourth way to pray that I wanted to, uh, or actually the third one, I missed the third one. And that's a breath prayer. This ties together those intentional moments as well as the communion that we want to have constantly, the praying without ceasing. And that is to look for something in the scripture that you read this morning or in a prayer that came out. And what I'm focusing on is the end of Psalm 43, verse 5. It says, hope in God. I don't know about you, but I can't take this whole psalm with me in my head. I'm not that good at memorizing but I can concentrate on hope throughout the day. And here's how it goes. You breathe in hope and exhale in God. So breathe in hope and breathe out in God throughout the day. Just continue to do that. And as things unravel in my day, I breathe in your hope, God. I exhale in God. I breathe in your hope. I exhale in God. The other thing that happens is prayer is not just me and God. It's all of us and God. And what happens when I have a breath prayer, almost without exception, somebody during the day needs that hope. And I'm ready. I've been meditating on God's hope today. And I just want to remind you that he hasn't forgotten you. People are blown away. There's the little community there. So praying scripture, praying through the fruit of the spirit, a breath prayer, take a small chunk of what God has shown you earlier and take it through the day with you. But before we close, I just want to ask one question. Why is this important? Why is prayer important? To make us feel better? I'm glad it does. But prayer is so important because it does shake the gates of hell. We are in a war. And if we think that the enemy is okay with us praying, we are so deluded. If prayer does shake his gates, what would he want to discourage us from? Praying. Whether we're bored, pray anyway. Whether we think we don't have time, make the time. Take the time that we have. Whether we think we're not good at it and we get embarrassed. I'd rather knock the enemy out than be embarrassed. This is serious business. The last type of prayer 
is um, prayer walking. And it would be great if we could go through this door and walk the property and pray, which I have done. A number of us have done that. But really, it's about noticing. So you can do it when you're sitting. You can do it when you're driving. Because this kind of prayer, you leave your eyes open. You can actually physically walk. And yesterday, I was in here and I was walking through just asking God, okay, I'm going to talk about prayer walking. What do I notice in the room? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to see? And instantly he said, look at all the doors. There are two up here. I feel like a stewardess. Two in the front. There are two back there, two in the center, and two up there in the balcony. A lot of doors in this room. And this is how my prayer went, and this is how we'll close today. God, I see doors. And in Revelation... You say that you stand at the door and you knock. And sometimes I, I imagine somebody who doesn't know you sitting inside, but that's not who you wrote this to. You wrote this to the church. And we have so many doors just even in this room. You're knocking. And you say, if we open, if we open the door, you will come in. And you will sit down and eat with us. And we will enjoy your presence. Holy Spirit, would you show us where the doors are closed in our lives? By the power of Jesus Christ, God, we pray the doors will open. In individuals' lives. In Trinity Church's collective life, God, we ask you, throw the door open. We're giving you permission. You're knocking, and we're saying, come in. Take 2023 and create goodness and grace and mercy and light and hope and help because we can't do this on our own. But God, we need you. God, we are yours. Open our doors. Keep them open so that we will declare your praises, so that we will have hope, so that we can share the hope that you have given us. God, we love you. We are so sorry for doors which have been closed. But in the name of Jesus, we declare them open and the pathway to your heart, the thirstiness of our soul is there for you to fill. God, we commit this week, call us to prayer every single day. We leave whatever the cue is to you. Help us to be sensitive to the cues you are putting in our life, to keep the door open, and to pray. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.